Morning, everyone. Morning. Morning, Jane. Uh, lovely to be with you. Um, on Wednesday, um, I spotted that the driver in the car in front of me was on his phone and hadn't noticed that the, car, that the traffic lights had turned green. So I hooted my horn in what I thought was a polite but firm manner. Um, and um, uh, the person in the passenger seat to whom I'm married uh, pointed out um, that it might be good to tell my face to smile um, when I hoot the horn in case the person in the car in front catches a view of me grimacing at them uh, whilst they fail to obey the law. Um, uh, I find driving in this part of town um, a test of my politeness. Um, there are so many streets where there are cars parked on both sides and only space for single-file traffic, um, that you have to go through this process where you, you judge um, whether you got there first um, or whether you're feeling more polite than they are um, to see who drives down that single line. And this happened on Thursday when I reached a particular point on Bishop Road, which you may be familiar with. Um, this is like the, the death trap for suburban drivers in, in Bristol, um, uh, so there's, there's a long, it's the longest stretch on Bishop Road probably, but there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a stopping point halfway and people kind of drive down thinking, oh, I can just get there before the person at the bottom. Um, I was feeling particularly generous as I got to this point driving up the hill and I thought I'll stop and I'll let the car come down. One car came down. As that car got to um, passing me, another five came down behind it. And then another four came up behind me. I was suddenly beginning to feel the heat of the situation a little. I remained calm and polite. Um, and, and then as the fifth one came down, another car came down behind it. Oh, bit cheeky. Um, uh, um, made its way completely down. And as it, as it fitted into the, the, the space to the right, I, I kind of got out of the car by this stage and was... Thinking that, I'm, uh, thinking that I'm a vicar, I think I can immediately turn into any other form of public service personnel, such as um, traffic policemen. Um, so was ushering people off to the right. Um, and, and, then, um, and then I got back into my car to drive up. And what happened? The car at the top started driving down. Um, so I just thought, well, I'm going to have to politely drive back up and smile as I pass them. Uh, which I did, and duly it was unlocked. Why am I telling you this story? I'm telling you this because I think it's an illustration of what can happen in life, and in particular in the Christian life. We make a decision that we think is good, like letting a car come down the road, and yet we end up stuck at where we're supposed to be. Doubts, distractions, and disappointments can keep hogging up the pathway, and we get stuck. We need to take steps to unblock our path. And today, God wants to unblock us, to help us come up unstuck. And our reading today is from Genesis 12, and it's going to come up on the screen. The Lord had said to Abraham... Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on, peoples on earth will be blessed through you. 
So Abram went, and as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abraham traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abraham and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west and I on the east, there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abraham set out and continued towards the Negev. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. To be a Christian is to understand that God's rescue plan for a broken world is Jesus Christ. And that once we become Christians, we are part of extending that rescue plan. What we have received from God, we give to others. As we grow in our understanding of the Bible, we see that God's rescue plan began earlier in Abraham. In fact, many people say that the Bible falls into two parts. Genesis 1 to 11, God's creation and us messing it up. And Genesis 12 to the end, God's rescue plan to put it back together again. And God starts that rescue plan with one man, Abraham, later to become Abraham. And you'll have to come back in the new year for a little explanation on that if you don't know it. A simple summary of this passage is that God blesses Abraham so that through him, all others will be blessed. What we find in subsequent passages is that Abraham isn't entirely up to the task. However, this passage has been held up by the church for centuries and with good reason. Because it shows us some key things about how we can follow God. It's especially important in the week of a general election. Because this passage reminds us that God's response to a broken and hurting world begins with people learning to follow him. Sharing that with others and then through them, others being blessed and nations being changed. In other words, how you engage with God this morning is more important than how you vote on Thursday. How you engage with God this morning is more important than how you vote this Thursday. Whatever the result on Thursday, we will still live in a united kingdom of divided peoples. We will still live in a united kingdom of divided peoples. Our nation desperately needs Jesus, but sadly his name won't be on the ballot papers. Our nation desperately needs Jesus. If that doesn't make any sense to you, it's probably because you're stuck in doubt and confusion about who God is and his purposes. Right at the beginning of this rescue plan, this man, Abraham, believes. God speaks to him and he believes it. We don't know how he spoke or when. We just know that God did. To be a Christian is to be one who knows that God speaks. Some of you here are stuck in doubt about whether God exists, never mind whether he speaks. God longs to help you to become unstuck. 
He doesn't ask you to switch off your brain, but he does ask you to start engaging with him, to try praying, to try reading the Bible, to keep coming to church, to do the Alpha course. The man standing before you was once a 21-year-old riddled with doubt. But I took a punt on God and found that he didn't let me down. Just ask God to fix your doubts. Think about it. What's the worst that could happen? Either nothing will happen, which I doubt, and you'll be proved right, or something will happen, um, and you'll be proven wrong, but ultimately glad to be so. As I started preparing this sermon, I was struck by the first and fourth verses. If we could have those up on the screen, that would be really helpful. Um, The Lord had said to Abraham, and then in verse 4, so he went. No, it doesn't say in verse 1, the Lord said to Abraham, so he went. It says, the Lord had said to Abraham, so he went. And the tenses there in the language of the verbs implies um, that Abraham was calling back on an instruction that God had given. We don't know the extent to which there's a time delay between the word that God gave to Abraham and him acting upon it. But the language implies that Abraham was calling back on something that God had said. There are some of us here this morning who have heard the general call to go, to participate in the rescue mission of Jesus. But you've got stuck along the way. You understand that God sends us all to our everyday lives. You see that. You see that he sends us to the people and the places we inhabit. But most days, you just forget that. You're too busy getting stuff done. And in some cases, it's just easier not to be known as a Christian along the way. But you know that to be a Christian is to share the love of God with others. But you can't see how it actually works. If that's you, you need to know that you're not alone. You're not alone, either humanly or spiritually. There's plenty of Christians in the same space. But God wants to help you come unstuck. I had the pleasure this week of, of, of preparing that moment of the talk and then bumping in somebody who I was thinking about in our congregation. Um, and and I, I walked up to her and I said... Um, uh, I was thinking about you this afternoon, and she said, oh, really, with a slightly kind of fearful look on her face. Um, and, and, and I said, I, I was thinking about people who've gone from, and, and she, she kind of politely interrupted me to save me from saying anything that might offend her, um, uh, from not getting it to getting it. And we talked a bit about what that means and, and that journey. And I think ultimately what, what I see in her and what I see in other people is once you grasp the truth that Jesus died in your place, once you grasp the truth that Jesus died in your place, things start to become unstuck. But there are challenges along the way. 
In verse 5, we see Abraham taking everything he had with him as he pursued God's call. This could be um, understood as Abraham holding on to everything. But it's clear in later chapters that Abraham was generous. Um, He divided up his possessions with Lot when they went in separate directions. So we can safely come to the conclusion that Abraham was making sure that everything he had was subject to God's call. He was not leaving for himself a pension plan in Haran. Everything was subject to God's call. It was such a joy to be with one of our little church's life group last night at David and Julie's house with their team. Uh, They served up a feast for 48 people. After the main course, they invited me to share the meaning of Christmas with many people, including Chinese students who were hearing the good news of Jesus for the first time. We gave an opportunity for them to pray and um, then gave Bibles to those who asked for copies of the Bible. Um, like many others, David and Chu Lee have marshaled their resources, what God has given them, around what God has called them to. And it is a joy to behold. Um, and Sometimes when I think of examples of people in in church, I'm kind of slightly scratching my head. Um, I could have named a bunch of other people, and and that is a joy. Naturally, there'll be some, a bit like on that road, where you get kind of stuck at this stage. You know that you're called to join in, but you haven't marshaled all your resources around what God's called you to do. You breathe a sigh of relief when you hear that the talk on giving was given last week when you were away. I remember being in that place. If that's you, you need to know that life on the other side of this problem is exhilarating. I have never once had a conversation with somebody in which they have told me how miserable they are because they've given so much to God. I've never once had a conversation with somebody who has told me how miserable they are because they have given so much to God. Jesus said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And funnily enough, he's right. But you also need to know that in your flesh you won't beat this problem. The only way to do it is to ask for God's help. When we look at the cross and how much God has given us, it causes us to look at him in worship. And as we do that, we're filled with his Holy Spirit. And by his Spirit, we're then able to give radically. And then we see that Abraham arrives in the land and he finds it's occupied by the Canaanites. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Later on in Deuteronomy, the Canaanites are outed as worshippers of the god Molech. As part of that worship, the Canaanites would indulge in child sacrifices and ritual prostitution. As part of their worship, uh, I've just said that sentence, sorry. You can understand how Abraham might have wondered what on earth God was doing. He is a childless man 
And he is being sent by God to a place where he's told that he's going to become a father of a nation. And through that nation, other nations are going to be blessed. And the place God sends him is a place where people sacrifice children in worship. Nevertheless, he builds altars wherever he goes and called on the name of the Lord. This storyline is a further example for those of us engaging in God's rescue mission about what it involves. Even when we obey his call and we marshal our resources around that, sometimes we face challenges and disappointments that lead us to rely further on him. I think of a man called Lanny Arneson who was part of this church until about five years ago who was a missionary in Sudan, was married and had four children, I think. And his wife was shot Um, by soldiers and as she was being airlifted to a hospital um, Lanny was with her she died and he stood in this church and said as she died I said blessed is the name of the Lord he gives the Lord gives and the Lord takes away blessed be the name of the Lord what a hero what a hero Abraham builds an altar and calls on the name of the Lord. Jesus came on the ultimate mission for you. He went to the altar of the cross for you. And offered himself as a sacrifice of thanksgiving and praise to the Father. He called on the name of the Lord for you. The rescue mission doesn't end when we get there. It carries on as we offer sacrificial lives in places of pain. I know that there are people here this morning who have obeyed God's call, who have been marshalling their resources for that call, but you've not yet learned to trust God at that level And to pursue God's presence in the place of weakness. I know because I'm one of those people. So I'm one of the people that I'm talking to myself. This has definitely been the case as we've opened up our homes in previous years. And I checked this bit with Nikki before I I preached it. And there's nobody here this morning that is affected by these comments. So don't worry. Um, and, I, and I have spoken to those who are affected by these comments um, at other occasions. Certainly, I thought that being generous with our home would lead to God's blessing upon us. And everything would be wonderful. The truth is that it has often left me questioning my own capacity to love others. On more than one occasion... I have been found sitting on my side of our bed, essentially shutting down. Because I've not been able to cope with what's been going on in our home. I know that in those moments, I'm not calling on the name of the Lord. 
I'm turning in on myself. And I know that God wants that to change in me. He wants me to pursue his presence in those moments, not write a list of complaints and why everyone else is wrong and I'm right. And I know that he's asking others to do the same. God is doing an extraordinary thing here at BNA. I don't know why, and I don't quite understand it. And at times, frankly, it terrifies me at the prospect of being involved in leading it. But it is an enormous honor, and I love it. He is shaping us. He is shaping us to reach the nations. He's shaping us to reach the nations And actually, we don't have to travel that far in this city to find them. And he's doing that because that's what he always does when he really gets hold of people and their lives become unstuck. We're already reaching the unreached with the good news of Jesus. And this church is going to look very different in a few years' time. It's going to look very different in a few years' time. By God's grace, we will be a people of different nations and tongues united in Christ. Friends, this is God's answer to a broken world, a people following him. But it starts here. It starts inside here. Not with a vote that we make for somebody else to fix a problem. God starts here. He always has, and he always will. It starts and continues with our willingness to let him do the heart surgery he longs to do. If you're stuck at any stage this morning, God longs that you would become un. Stuck. Amen.